It was funny because when I was getting my headphones out to put them in, I could hear talking coming from them. And I'm like, like, what is playing right now? And it was just this lady's voice screaming, volume at maximum. And I was like, oh, jeez. All right, take it easy. Right. <laughs> like, if it is at maximum, maybe you shouldn't scream it at me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Stupid. Very stupid. There's something very aesthetically pleasing about the fact that this is the 17th episode of the sixth season, and our episode is airing on June 17th. Oh. <laughs> Wow. Right? Good vibes. For it is good vibes. <laughs> Let's hope. Even though I was extreme, I can't even say I'm pissed off anymore. I'm like disappointed now. Not mad. I'm just disappointed. Basically, because, you know, as far as musical numbers go, wasn't that pissed. No. Everything else pissed me off more. Yeah, I actually was surprised at how not a musical this musical episode was. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, they're actually, like, stating that it is a musical and they're going to do songs from a musical. Like, they're not just going to intertwine music into everyday life and expect us to care. Yeah, I mean, they, they kind of experimented with that in the last one with Next to Normal, where they acknowledged right. that Alice was listening to that soundtrack on repeat. And so it, it sort of made sense that it was bleeding over into real life, although, mm -hmm. like, not all the way. This was a bit more integrated, but, you know, we can get into it. Yeah. This is I Hate It, Let's Watch It. I'm Lisa. I'm Dawn. And to get us started, here's our 60-second summary. Rumor has it this season of Riverdale wasn't supposed to have a musical episode at all, and honestly, we're still not sure that it does. Veronica incorporates a few songs from American Psycho, the musical, into her SlaughterCon event, which Betty has organized in an attempt to lure TBK in. Unfortunately, he seems to feel the same way about musical numbers as we do because he fails to attend. He instead continues to taunt Betty from afar, trying to convince her that the evil inside her is cosmically connected to the evil inside him. All this weird serial killer energy freaks Archie out, and he decides to take on the whole workers' union issue instead. Ironically, that problem could be solved through song. Upon learning that Tony and Fangs plan to get married, Cheryl recruits Kevin to help her curse their unholy union, but they immediately have cold feet when that curse appears to affect baby Anthony instead. Heather helps remove the curse and Cheryl finally admits her feelings for her so we can take a break from their exhausting will they won't they for now. Meanwhile, Agent Drake confesses her attraction to Betty with less successful results, and we're more than okay to retire that stupid side story. The episode culminates with Betty confronting TBK in her father's garage and shooting him dead with her father's gun, and Archie does the bare minimum by agreeing to love Betty regardless of her darkness, so all that drama was for nothing, but what else is new? Let's... Hmm, let's see. Let's start with something that really annoyed me <laughs> the most. Cheryl and Kevin mm -hmm. putting this hex on Tony and Fangs only for it to cause poor baby Anthony, this poor kid, to have a debilitating cough illness like... Colic, basically. Right. But they, of course, described it as much worse. I even loved Kevin's reaction. He's like, um, we were going to put a wedge. It wasn't supposed to be the kid. That's fucking yeah, horrible. Yeah, the thing I find ironic about that is that when they were setting it up and Kevin was like, well, what's the wedge going to be? And Cheryl was like, we're just going to leave that up to the universe. And then like afterwards, that turns out to be a big problem because leaving it up to the universe meant that it was going to be baby Anthony that takes all the heat. Right. And at the <laughs> same time, it didn't seem like it was causing a wedge between them. It barely had a chance to work. No, it because didn't. Because a child's was life was... Yeah, in, you know. in the balance. But yeah, I mean, I assume and I know from my friends and family who have had mm -hmm. babies that, you know, sleep deprivation can really test the relationship. That's and true. 
you know, I think that, you know, over time that could really, you know, if you're not, if you don't have a strong enough foundation, you're not going to come out of it together. Right. And I don't think that Tony and Fangs could have survived that because they disagree on so many things. When Cheryl was talking about creating a wedge, I was like, are you kidding? There's like eight wedges that are already in there. (laughs) There's tons of wedges we just keep, you know, just find over. one and push on it. You know, it's already there, but it is what it is. And of course, we need to recruit Heather to come in and save the day because she was a midwife. You know, she's a certified midwife in her spare time. She's a right. librarian slash midwife, <laughs> which is a totally whatever thing. you need her to be in that moment. She is. Yeah. And, you know, this whole thing is has got the cloud over it of the Cheryl, Heather, Tony, I don't want to call it a love triangle because it's not like everybody's participating in it. Right. But just that whole dynamic and we the reason that they cast the spell is because Tony fi- or uh, Cheryl finds out that Tony and Fangs are going to get married and she's obviously not cool with it, even though she says she is. Yeah. That annoyed me. I'm like, you're really not over this. You're really not over this. Right. To the extent of casting a curse on them, because Mm -hmm. I can understand, like, of course, there's going to be residual feelings for an ex. People are going to feel a certain type of way when they see that their ex is engaged and getting married again, Mm -hmm. regardless of how well you've managed to move on. But to the point of then wanting to actively seek revenge and destroy their marriage is pretty intense and I did not really understand how it ended up in the end because Heather's like do you want to talk about it now basically saying right you know you obviously have a problem with this but then Cheryl kind of deflects and is like well it's really because I have feelings for you and I'm worried about getting hurt again and it's like what that is (laughs) the most any of that cockinid situation (laughs) She's thinking with her vagina, and she has been, I feel like, ever since she found out that Heather was, you know, had sent her all those letters and all that. And Right. It's just like, clearly, she's not thinking clearly. And I feel she's trying her best to use Heather to her advantage, but in like a, like, I know she has this kind of higher power, so I'm going to make her feel useful being around me hmm. ever since she's come around she's helped cheryl with something right she has been very useful to cheryl and right. we know that she already kind of tried to trap her there by saying she wanted to turn thornhill into a library which by the way is that still happening or if we just dropped that whole pretense um and just good pretending. question but whatever it is i actually thought that heather responded in a very fuckboy kind of way when cheryl was trying to get clarity on what their relationship was going to be she was like we're just kind of seeing where it goes let's just have fun for the moment and i was like that's sketchy that's what i've heard from every guy i've ever been (laughs) in contact with yeah that is not that is not okay as an answer but cheryl accepts it somehow for some reason so that's a very unhealthy relationship that i don't like and i've said that before i just and part of it is just because heather is very off-putting to me and i think i realized why in this episode and it's because she never stops smiling 
Oh yeah, that's very unnerving. I, I don't like that at all. Moments, times where a normal person would probably just have a neutral facial expression. She's always kind of got a smirk at least going on, mm-hmm. and it's I find it very off-putting. So for that reason, and then also just because I still don't really trust her, I'm not supporting <laughs> this relationship. I feel bad because I feel like I'm never supporting Cheryl's relationships, but she also makes very terrible decisions about the yeah. relationship she's in. <laughs> You know what I would have probably accepted more in a love triangle scenario is if Agent Drake was hitting on Heather. Uh huh. I actually thought that would have made more sense. Yes, then that would have given Cheryl more of a reason to do her spells and her thwarting and her just the whole you know game plan. I mean, that's that's usually her game plan. It's taking people down but anyway that would have been a more suspenseful like love triangle yeah i thought about that when they were showing you know tony's bachelorette party and everything Mm -hmm. because they were there together and i was like oh actually that would be a more interesting thing (laughs) to see but uh but no we got the other thing which i hate i hate it so much well, I mean, presumably it's over now. Right, but um, the fact that we got, like, it was a blip of a situation that didn't need to be at all. Oh, yeah. They absolutely queer baited us with that. It was so stupid. And, uh, I mean, like, let's talk about it because mm-hmm. this was um, frustrating, I think, <laughs> for everyone. But basically, Agent Drake just comes straight out and tells Betty that she's attracted to her. Mm-hmm. And,. It's a very strange moment. And I don't know, um, gosh, I'm not sure how I would respond. Betty says, I'm very flattered. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a little insulting. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's how. Right. It makes her <laughs> seem, I'm going to say. I don't know how to describe like... why I don't like it, but it just, it kind of makes it sound like. Like you should be. They're Yeah, like they're buttering them up for right. the rejection that's coming. I, I think there's probably a softer way to go about it rather than being like, oh my God, that's so nice that you like me, but it's not reciprocated. So, And then the fact that they then had Betty have a dream about waking up to Agent Drake was weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, are, what are we doing here? Was this literally just to make a point that like sexuality is a moving target and that sometimes people who are normally straight might have feelings for somebody of the same sex out of nowhere and it's just kind of a normal thing that happens? But I don't think it was successful in doing that. No. If that was what they were trying to do. And I was very turned off by how Agent Drake just quickly shot down, you know, well, Betty was like, oh, well, you know, I am with Archie, like, we are together. And she's like, well, how exclusive is it? Like, yes, shut up. I actually, yeah, I found this very offensive as well, because she asks her, or you know, basically says, oh, is that an exclusive thing? And and Betty says yes. And as soon as she says yes, that should have been the end of the conversation. Uh But she keeps trying to poke at it and be like, well, you know, it's just you and I have so much in common. And Archie doesn't seem like, you know, he really knows who you are and accepts you. And and it's like, it's really not appropriate for you to be questioning somebody else's relationship and trying to worm your way in there. And you don't know how much, like, they've known each other since they were little. Mm -hmm. So whether or not he doesn't share her, you know, love of hunting down serial killers, 
doesn't mean he's not fucking there for her. Right. I mean, his whole thing that he says to her at the end, I think, was one of the night, probably one of the most realistic, you know, heart to hearts they had this yeah, season. Yeah, well, we can, we can talk about that because I have No, whole, I know. Like, I just think of- but <laughs> it was a whole thing. But anyway, yeah. I And then I don't like how Betty was very quick to kind of go with what she was saying and wanting to te- not, maybe not test the waters with her, but makes her really question her relationship with Archie and that bothered the shit out of me because it's like again she has a conversation with Veronica too yeah I actually liked that conversation a lot that was good and that's I said something about Veronica there and I (laughs) oh my god where is it I only have one page of notes how could I lose it (laughs) um no just that like I finally agree with what she's ranting about you know like I feel like Veronica's always ranting about something and this was sure. the one rant that I agreed with. Yeah, she she made sense in terms of saying, you know, you need to have these conversations sooner rather than later. And she, she reminded me of um, that guy who does advice on BuzzFeed. I always uh, love reading his shit because he's very practical, but also sympathetic. And so I felt like Veronica being like, you need to shut this thing down with Drake. Mm-hmm. Tell her it's not okay. And then you need to go have a conversation with Archie. Like, it was all very good, reasonable, logical advice. Adult advice. Yeah, adult advice for a change. And, you know, coming from Veronica, I think maybe that was a little bit jarring for me because I would not have expected it. But that scene almost felt like it took place in a different season where Betty and Veronica were actually good friends. Mm -hmm. And we're having these kinds of human interactions that we really don't get to see very often. I have to say that I think this episode had a lot of those and I was surprised by how much I liked the overall episode because of Mm -hmm. that. Like I certainly had my problems with parts of it, but there were moments where it really had that feel of an older, earlier season kind of episode of real human relationships and and building those. So Mm -hmm. I liked that conversation a lot. And I did like how Veronica said to Drake, check your libido at the door. I thought it was a little interesting. I honestly don't know how I felt about the fact that she took it upon herself to confront her. I know that it was like a standing up for her bestie kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I'm, like you said, they're not as close as they used to be. So yeah, it's, it's like weird. not really your place. And I think maybe I kind of got agitated by it because it felt like Veronica was trying to fight Betty's battles for her. Mm. And in my head, I'm like, Betty doesn't need your help. You know, mm, she can nope. do her own. She can handle her own shit. So, like, I'm kind of on the fence of how I feel about it because it was nice of her to feel so invested and, you know, stand up for her friend. But right. I also don't know that Betty necessarily needed that kind of support. I also feel like Veronica doesn't have much going on right now. So she... That's true. <laughs> this She's is got a medal. She needs... Yeah. She's got a medal in other She's people's lives for a little for a something. While. something. Live vicariously. Get involved in other people's drama because she doesn't have any. <laughs> Do we want to take that into the convention? Yeah, I guess we can. I, I feel like I don't know when I want to talk about the workers' union because that was probably the worst part of this episode I really, for me. like, I think Like, I, I don't want to end on that. <laughs> right. No, 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 no. We can end on... um. We can end on talking about SlaughterCon and how that ends up. So All right, let's so just we'll talk let's about briefly the- talk about the workers' union. <laughs> Oh my god, I wrote Ugh 
almost before everything I had to say about these parts. Yeah, this was <laughs> definitely the least interesting thing going on in this episode. Oh, it, it was bad. It was annoying. It was kind of like if you've read Game of Thrones, coming upon a brand chapter or any of the oh yeah and you're just like oh my god not no, you I'm again i'm skipping this <laughs> yeah so that's I saw how it I on tv i don't need to read the chapter <laughs> but it gave me a lot of this episode and i don't know if it's just a coincidence because of american psycho and christian bale and all that but it reminded me of the newsies yeah because <laughs> like this was the whole union thing and striking and all that stuff and the singing because right. newsies there's a musical as well and mm -hmm. them fucking singing that song okay them singing that song to break the spell of i Percival. absolutely hated this <laughs> what a song to choose and to but see wait, go ahead my, i'm sorry my favorite part though is uncle frank being like what's that guitar for <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like it, it was a machine gun, but you know we're gonna kill them with kindness, kind of a thing. Right, but it it's was also so like awful. We're kind of Uncle Frank in that way too, though, only because yeah. it's like, <laughs> why would you need away. a guitar here? Put like, that guitar away. <laughs> away. Yeah, I well, I think that's funny because I never would have thought that this problem could have been solved with song. No, but here we are <laughs> solving it with a song. And Fangs was like the first to turn, like the minute well, he heard a, a note from the guitar, yeah. he like turns around and I'm like, that's all it took. Well, he was the one who was supposed to have the strong willpower. He was like, I can yeah, go work he for Percival and not have a problem because I'll just think of baby Anthony. And clearly that's not the case. But mm -hmm. I think it's so strange that it had no impact on Uncle Frank. Like all the rest of these Oh, guys, I think he's so far gone at this point though. I just, I find that very hard to comprehend because again and we've talked about this in prior episodes he really loved archie he loved fred and hearkening back to those memories that should have dislodged something and it didn't right and this worked so effectively on everybody else i uh it's like hard it's hard for me to accept that there's nothing dodgy going on there i I really mm. think it could be a, a double agent scenario. Maybe. I just think that he does spend, like, we don't see him spending any time with anybody else. So I think that's why I feel like he's just so far gone that, you know, it is maybe possible that. I find just... it really strange that Kevin has been on the outs with everybody this whole season. And yet Veronica's like, come perform at SlaughterCon mm -hmm. for us. It's like. Aren't we all mad at Kevin? <laughs> Especially sick like, of my singing. It's time for somebody else. Like that that was wild to me that they're just willingly including him in yeah. this kind of thing. But oh well. So yeah, the other important thing I think that or the only important thing maybe that we've learned from the workers union thing mm -hmm. is that Percival seems to be under some kind of stress from mind controlling such a large group of people. He had nosebleeds after he convinced everybody to get up and leave Pops to come back to work for him. Yeah. So we have to assume that there are limitations now on his powers and that that can be exploited. And it's hard for him to maintain constant control of large groups of people, which is actually really good news because... Right, because then they could just all hang out in herds. Yeah, exactly, and play music, sit around kumbaya all night long. Just keep music going 24-7. Yep, keep strumming that guitar. Keep <laughs> strumming. But also that gave me Valentine's vibes. 
Valentine vibes when his nose. Was oh yeah, yeah. Every that's time right. <laughs> he killed somebody. So I was like, huh. I am making so many interesting references tonight. Okay, so I feel like we can probably go back to the slaughter con now. Yeah, because that was like probably the only interesting. That was the centerpiece of this whole episode. I'm very disturbed by the concept of SlaughterCon. And I find it strange that I felt that way because I really do like true crime and I like learning about true crime. But I think the idea of... Well, this was another level completely. Yeah, I like this wasn't... Ju- I actually thought that Agent Drake's little seminar or whatever mm-hmm. would have been the most interesting part for me. But like the live autopsy... And some of the other booths that they had that were more on the macabre side of things, I was like, oh, like what, what kind of people? See, <laughs> now I, unfortunately, I would have gone to this. I was a little disturbed because the first two people that walk in had, had, the masks. had those masks on, but mm-hmm. they're also the same mask from that movie, The Farm, I told you about that I had to turn off. Oh, I was no. So and I was like, oh, my God, why do they have the farm masks? I was so upset by that. But other than that, I would totally go to this con. It's right up my alley. Well, I think that's kind of what gets me about it is the idea that people came to this dressed as serial killers. Uh, I guess, you know, like, like that. I find that. that a weird sort of celebration of them rather than. Right. I think they took it more as a horror movie con than real life serial killer con but that guy came dressed as the black hood and i mean if it were more like a i don't know like a horror movie con or even if it was just more focused on like an educational side of true crime i just i i find the sort of celebration of serial killers at slaughter con that i think that's what kind of bothered me about it i get it but I think that's the only way they could have gotten PBK out and about. Yeah. Well, it didn't quite work. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. He does call in to Betty's interview panel, which was an Ugh. awkward, an awkward moment. It was moment. so weird. And not only was it weird, why was Alice doing it? Right. Again, somebody else who has been pitted against our main cast for the right. longest time. And they're just like, yeah, let's have Alice here. Yeah. She's not the only person who can conduct an interview. And he was on the phone for a long time. And are you telling Somebody me that they fucking, that yeah. they didn't trace that call? <laughs> and Agent Drake's like standing in the back. She kind of like shakes her head like, I don't know. We didn't get it or something. And it's just like, what? Like, did, did you, you see the phone think? they were on? Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Where did they find this shit? Garage sales. Estate oh sales. Oh, my God. But, yeah. So that was like an awkward and especially because the conversation turned like kind of not sexual but obviously tbk has some feelings for betty oh does he have feelings (laughs) yeah you know we often talk about how creeps and also like inanimate objects on the shows and movies we watch treat women better than actual men in real life and Mm -hmm. so in this case um TBK kind of stepped up and seriously, he could <laughs> take me on, nice out things. on a date. Like, <laughs> what the hell? To your garage? Oh yeah. I mean, it wasn't cool that he tied up Alice and Charles and tried to kill them. Like that no, was not great. No, but he did a nice setup. But yeah, roses. 
candles? He even got her her own mask. Oh my god, this was wild. I was like, oh my god, she gets her own trash bag mask. Can you imagine if they got married and then they like went around like the trash bag couple, Mr. and Mrs. Trash Bag. And, and then they have on the back of their car the stick figure stickers, but they all have oh my trash god. bag masks on. <laughs> even the dog or the cat. Oh, uh, no cats. No more cats for Betty. Oh, no. She's not allowed. No, 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 no. Oh, man. That was crazy. So I have to admit that I did not see this confrontation coming in this episode. Mm-mm. And I did not expect for it to result in TBK's death. <laughs> and so quickly. Like, I thought it would yeah. have been it, like to be continued. And then, like, since we have the week break, it's like... Yeah. Oh, like we're really going to anticipate the next episode. And it's like, no, he's dead and we don't know who he is. Yeah. What this the fuck? Is very frustrating to me because I do feel like they led us to believe in season five that TBK was somebody that we would know or mm-hmm. would have more significance to us. And I guess that's only because Riverdale usually does that. Right. It's okay if they wanted to do this differently, but I think they needed to give us that information in this episode to kind of close the chapter on TBK and give us that closure. Because if he's just, if they want to tell us like, oh, this is, you know, Dave Richardson. He is a father of three from, you know, XYZ. Right. And he did all these fucked up things, blah, blah, blah. But he won't hurt anybody anymore. Like that kind of yeah. resolution we needed, we didn't get it. And the whole and time. I don't know if we will. <laughs> as she go- goes in the garage, she's like, she must have told him maybe three times, like, take off your mask. Take off your mask. And it's like, okay, once you kill him, take off his mask. Right. That's the first thing I would have done. (laughs) Oh, God. And just, like, again, how it ended, it was just so solemn in a way. Like, she just comes out of the garage and she's like, he's dead. It's like, whoop-dee-doo, thanks. That's so exciting. I don't know. It was just a very weird reaction to all of it. Yeah, it felt anticlimactic. And I think part of the reason is because we've been doing all this other bullshit at the same time. There are just too many storylines going on. So it's hard to get invested. And I think we had the best chance of getting invested in Betty's storyline and right. her coming to this realization that she might have darkness in her, but she's trying to be a good person and that's really what matters. And I think that's a meaningful journey for her to go on. And it could have been done a lot better if we didn't have all of this other fucking nonsense Mm. going on. Right. But we do. So (laughs) we have to take a break to go watch Archie play the guitar for a bunch of union workers. Oh, yeah. And I don't get how any of these people are not bored with their acting and what they're being given especially well i mean they are they are (laughs) pretty sure they are (laughs) jugheads in the bunker just listening to voices forever and ever yeah and we had more bleeding over of river vale into riverdale this time around Mm -hmm. um specifically with the baby anthony storyline and it's just it's all very annoying to me because i don't i i don't get it and i don't like it Whatever they're trying to do here, I don't appreciate it. Yeah, no. stop it. But uh, one more thing I have to talk about with Betty's storyline is why 
Charles is not back in jail now that he has recovered from his illness. <laughs> I'm like sitting there and they're talking about, you know, SlaughterCon and all of that. And he's just sitting at the table with them like, la-di-da. He's like and workshopping I'm... this event as yes. the voice, as the POV of the serial killer that they're trying to attract. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. We like to do this with our victims. Yeah, and we he like said to do... and it's we. Like, and I'm like, yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, like, why are you here? Why are you allowed to be a part of this planning committee? And why are you not back in prison? Because the only reason you were allowed out was because the hospital was overcrowded. So theoretically, you should be gone right back into mm-hmm. that prison. You are still a dangerous individual. But no, he's just like hanging out now. Yep. And it's not even like he provided such a useful service that they could, you know, get him a deal or something like he's not he's helping them throw a slaughter con like he's not actually helping to catch tbk and ultimately tbk catches him and almost kills him so like you are just dead useless to all of us and it's just funny to me too that both archie and veronica were just totally cool with him chilling with them like right like nothing like yes. nothing has happened the past is the past like, yes what are we when doing? that scene actually started i i missed or, or like i didn't get a good look at who was sitting next to agent mm-hmm. drake and so i was like who the fuck is at the table with them like who does that even look like and then once i realized it was charles i was real mad about it i'd have a little more sympathy well not sympathy but i'd be a little more understanding if Agent Drake had him in cups and he right. was just like this if was he, his last and hurrah a jumpsuit, of like, yeah. yeah. Like to show that there's going to be a, an actual resolution to his escape from prison, basically. Right, like his whole thing is like, I'll go back to prison, but I gotta like help them yeah, figure right. this yeah. out. Yeah, sure. That's fine if he wants to do that. I still don't think that's what would happen in real life, but you know, I'll allow that as long as he goes back to prison. I also want to mention quickly Eastleigh because Oh my we- god, I wrote that down. He's like he bought it on Eastleigh. Yes, now <laughs> we have to talk about Betty's like fan, biggest yeah. fan. This guy who I actually thought was somehow going to turn out to be TBK because he was so obsessed with her, who he shows up dressed as the Black Hood. He has the actual knife. I don't know how he got his hands on these murder weapons because they should be in police custody right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think I trust it off of Eastleigh. Oh, I don't know. Eastleigh sounds like the right place to go for all of your serial killer paraphernalia. When he was like, I would be honored to be your first kill. I was like, honestly, same. <laughs> like if Betty, Betty killed me, that would be fine. I feel like that would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. And then even just to backtrack really quick about her interview. And it was like the way they um, advertised it was like the girl in the well. And have mm-hmm. you ever seen the movie? I mean, it was a true story. But it was a Lifetime movie, The Girl in the Box. No. And it was about this girl that they, this husband and wife duo in like, I don't know, Tennessee or something. I'm pretty sure I'm familiar, at least somewhat familiar with the story. Yeah. And then they kept her literally in a box under a bed for a long, long time. I mean, they'd let her out to do certain things, but like she had to stay in a box under the bed. And I was just like, oh, the girl in the box, the girl in the well. Yeah. You can trap girls in lots of places, I guess. Uh (laughs) But the thing that pissed me off about it was that when he shows up with the gun, her father's gun, and Betty's like, you're lucky that we're not arresting you for carrying a weapon without a permit. And I'm like, 
why aren't you arresting him for carrying a weapon without a permit? Especially because this guy seems really fucking sketchy. I honestly would be looking for an excuse to bring him in and question him about his bullshit. But she's like, yeah, we're not charging you with this. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I... And the fact that, like, he's so obsessed with the Black Hood, like, of all serial killers, I don't know. <laughs> There's better ones out there, and to have to have yeah, all, right. all the weapons of his is kind of weird. I'm just a little bit obsessed with my notes here. I have, when we get to the <laughs> when we get to the candlelit dinner scene with TBK, I have lol. What this is so romantic. And then my next line is, "Oh my God, put yours on. He made her a trash bag mask. That's so sweet." <laughs> Wasn't there also a chainsaw on the table? Yes, there was. A wonderful it had its centerpiece. Own place sitting. Yeah, this <laughs> is own place sitting. <laughs> it's a little unique, you know. If every wedding has flowers and stuff. You want to get yeah. uh, get a little creative with it. So I guess we should talk now about Archie and Betty's talk mm-hmm. about their future, their relationship. Betty's like, I'm afraid one day you're gonna wake up and realize who I am and not be okay with it anymore. And you said it was sweet, but I kind of feel like it's bare minimum for Archie to be like. No, I love you. Like, it's unconditional, and I, I just, I mean, I'm going to love you. <laughs> I think it's just because I'm not on Betty's side with this, only because I feel like she was just so quick to question everything. This one person you barely know tells them that they're interested in you and find you attractive, and now you're questioning literally everything. I think it was more than that, though. I think she was... Being at SlaughterCon and kind of being immersed in that world of darkness that she is familiar with within herself, and then having Archie kind of be uncomfortable to be there and making that comment to her. Right. (laughs) And like making that comment to her about Agent Drake's lecture and saying, like, oh, like, why would people ever be obsessed with this kind of stuff? Not realizing that it would apply to her. And Mm -hmm. so I think there were lots of things, and even given to this point we've seen how slow their relationship is moving i think she's kind of always felt that way and then even if we want to go back to season five when they were hooking up they stopped hooking up i mean partially because archie fell back in love with veronica but also betty was like i got some serious dark shit going on right now so it's probably a better idea if we don't so i i always kind of got the impression she was keeping him at arm's length from a lot of the more dark and demented parts of her so i don't know that it was necessarily out of nowhere for me i just i think that and i don't think that her slightly being attracted to agent drake was even really a major player in the fact that she kind of wanted to feel archie out on this whole thing Mm. i just think it was like one of a of many things that was signaling to her that they might not be as compatible Right. If she has this problem with her own darkness. But it is it is frustrating in relationships. I've never appreciated it when people try to tell me what's good for me. Right. So I or think what I should be thinking about that person. Like Right. So I think maybe that's what you're picking up on with yes, that and dynamic. I feel like he's giving the whole that doesn't bother me about you. Right. It's it's like and- when somebody with low self esteem turns like keeps putting themselves down for that, you know to be told no you know like Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of that's how i feel i feel like he's trying to just say listen this town is fucked up like i mean we're we're not you know grasping at straws here when it comes to 
oh my god, my girlfriend was trapped in a well and the TBK and all that. Like, I don't know. I just find him to be a little, he's just understanding. (laughs) He's understanding. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, and I think what I've learned about myself in those situations, when, when either somebody has tried to tell me how I should feel or whether I've tried to tell somebody else how to feel, I think that is pretty much always a reflection of the person's own insecurity. So in this Mm -hmm. case, Betty doesn't accept herself as she is. And so it's hard for her to imagine that Archie could accept her for who she is. And so I think, you know, it's, it's not really her fault, but she was trying to push him away a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, at her and said, no, I'm not going anywhere. It kind of forces her to either accept that, accept herself, or leave. And fortunately, it seems like she's gotten to a point where she's okay accepting herself. Yeah. I was kind of shocked by the discussion regarding the baby bird, the memory of the baby bird. Oh, yeah. Because this was literally what happened to me a week ago. I know. (laughs) And then when they were like... We, we kept checking on it every day and, like, nursing it back to health. I was like, no, that's not what you do with a baby bird because I know because now I've done this myself. <laughs> but but it was a cute little story. And I was, was like, damn, I am Betty because I also did those things. I'm not a serial killer. for that. It's yes. good to know. <laughs> Coming attractions were a blur for me. Yes. There was a lot. And I didn't really get a good sense of what was happening. We just know that all the – it's – the episode's called Biblical, and it's going to be a ton of plagues. We got frogs. Right, got... the plagues, the plagues. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. I love the Bible. I love I, religion. Right. I love <laughs> having it put into shows like Love Jesus Christ. JC, <laughs> my man. <laughs> so, yeah, that should be fun. Mm-hmm. At least we have a break beforehand. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. I actually don't need... A break this week like I could have gone right into the next yeah, one because I feel like now we're dragging it out let's go let's yeah exactly like I can't believe we were consistent for so long and now we're just kind of like every other week sporadically having episodes but overall as a musical episode this episode was not a musical episode <laughs> no it wasn't that bad we haven't even talked about the musical numbers because they were so they, they really weren't part they, of the plot. Yeah, no, they were fine. <laughs> Except um, for Betty, Betty's solo at the end, which was... Is that her real voice? Beautiful. I believe it is. I liked it. It was very She did nice. a great job with it. Although it was kind of weird that Kevin was supposed to do it and then refused to do it because Betty thought that he was actually being murdered on stage and tried to stop it and it was part right. of his act. And, and like ruined how would you, his mojo or whatever. How and could I'm like, you what? get mad at somebody for that? Like they thought that they were helping you and, right. and like, you're you at know her SlaughterCon. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're at a place called SlaughterCon. Like ridiculous. It, yeah, it's it's weird. The only musical number I didn't love was the bachelorette party one because yeah, that it, was... it was out of the context of slaughter con did love their dresses and betty's in particular oh, betty's was, was the best. fire you know from Lacey's and katie keen <sighs> gross yeah always gotta yep. throw them in somewhere always gotta even though that show died and nobody wants it back oh it died it sure did all right so this coming tuesday we got nurse 3d that's a fun one, guys. 
Yeah, yeah. You're going to enjoy that. Recommend you watch in advance, but if you're not convinced by us now, you will be convinced by us after you hear our episode. (laughs) Yes, which I tend to see is the trend. People will listen to our episodes first, be like, what the fuck did they watch? And then need to see it for themselves. I want to give a shout out to Leo Allen. He uh, finally watched Rubber. Oh my God. Actually kind of liked it. Damn it. Guys, so, guys, what's wrong with you? So you lost that episode. You just oh uh, no! I I need to pull a larger number of people. We need a reasonable sample size here. One person oh. does not make a conclusion. I'm excited to see um when we get some traction on Attack of the Killer Donuts because that that was a wild one. That was a wild <laughs> one, and we watched it together, and it was just fascinating yeah fascinating watch it with your film. friends you should watch all of these movies with friends because yeah i have to say watching some of these alone is very difficult because i want to react immediately mm-hmm. <laughs> so only my cats get to hear my raw thoughts <laughs> if you have any suggestions that hopefully lisa will enjoy <laughs> yeah uh-huh. i'm so hard to please <laughs> be sure to hit us up on whatever social media you prefer and everything is linked in the show notes until then that's end game <laughs> <laughs>